1: Two different justice systems. Can we survive that as a country? James Lindsay joins us to talk about the education system in America. We have state senators leading the charge as they should. All that's coming up on I'm Right. I'm going to get to the two different justice systems talk here in just a moment, but let's go ahead and tackle the news of the day. Because I... I understand that I get wrapped up. Everyone gets wrapped up in their own issue when it comes to politics. That's one of the things that's fascinating about politics. I enjoy it. I'll get emails from you to the show, and you'll say things to me that oftentimes start out with this. Jesse, love the show. You're so handsome. Not all of them start out like that, but some do. But you don't spend enough time talking about fill in the blank, whatever it is. And you know, here's, here's the thing about those emails. They have never bothered me because you're always right. We have an hour here every night. We got one hour. And there are so many gigantic important issues that we can never spend as much time as we should talking about everyone. Jesse, you should talk about the border more. You should talk about taxes more, the national debt more, Ukraine, Russia more. Jesse, you should talk about this or that. You're you're always right. The answer to that question is yes, you're right. We are trying to fit as much in as we can. But how much of that actually matters? your issue or my issue how much of it matters to normal people when they can't afford things they used to afford i I, I don't know i get to these inflation numbers today 7.1 year over year foods up 10.6 electricity 13.7 gas 10 percent. housing 7.1 but these are just again we talked about this before these are just numbers right now that they matter There's statistics this is stuff you can repeat to friends and family it matters but the truth is I don't I don't need to come read you these numbers and these aren't news to you you eaten out recently We eat out on Saturday night and we try to be good with our money and we try to budget and we, we so when the bill comes and you figure out that now it costs not a fancy restaurant it's a standard restaurant it costs hundred dollars for a family of four to eat out uh, we're not talking about uh, rounds of drinks and stuff like that here in desserts it costs a hundred dollars to eat out when you're watching grocery prices go up and up and up and up is there something more important to most people when they see their standard of living drop it's it's something that we really haven't experienced in this country before. And it's something you're experiencing right now. I'm experiencing right now. You, people get used to a certain standard of living. In America, we've had most of our history, I realize we've had blips in the radar, but most of our history, people have enjoyed their standard of living going up. I eat out more than my dad did. Uh, we're, 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 we're doing well, moved out of our house, or moving on up to the east side, you know, that kind of a thing. Now, People are experiencing something they have not experienced, most people, in their lifetimes. They're watching their standard of living go down. They're going to travel less, eat out less. Your groceries are not going to be as plentiful as before. It sucks. And it sucks that all the people who've brought us to this point are still, for some reason, sought out as experts when we ask them, hey, when's all this going to end?
2: i think we'll see a substantial reduction in inflation in the year ahead it's going to take a year well i believe by the end of next year you will see much lower inflation if there's not a an unanticipated shock
1: man we're in trouble Uh, uh, did you hear what she just said i love the qualifiers she puts on there now because she's been wrong about every prediction ever Oh, you're worried about inflation? Yeah, no, it's it's going to keep going, going up. Uh, it'll probably go down. Oh, I'd say, whoa, well, in the next year. In the next year, it should go down. I mean, unless something happens. <laughs> Building the ultimate. Because th- of course something's going to happen. Something always happens. That's called life. That's the planet. That's, that's the world we've been given. Something always happens. Oh, unless something happens. So, and I don't have an answer for you on this, but does it? Does it feel like this is just how it's going to be for a while? Does it feel like that to you? Because it sure feels like that to me. And and so I'm gonna move on to the two-tier justice system here because this is the issue, frankly, that I think is most important, the two-tier justice system. But I, wanted, I want you to say I spend so much time on it because I'm so passionate about it, but I understand if you don't frankly care about anything else until you can afford the same amount of groceries, the same amount of hamburger meat you used to be able to afford a couple years ago, I get it if that's your only issue because it sucks, right? But I need to clarify why I care so much about the two-tier justice system. We have the latest latest and greatest information out about Trump. They have some guy, some Obama guy named Jack Smith, doing the special investigation into Trump. He's the special counsel. By the way, you, you appoint a special counsel when you think there's some sort of a conflict of interest. The point of a special counsel is so he can be, you know, above all the politics, he's just going to be a straight shooter. He's just worried about the law. Justice is blind. Uh, yeah, this guy is, is, is an Obama guy. <laughs> it's just tied right into the Obamas. And... The team investigating President Trump, the team is twice as large as Robert Mueller's team. Please don't, please don't be under the impression just because this isn't in the news every day that all this stuff with Trump is blowing over and it's all just gonna, it's all gonna work out in the end. These people are coming for him. They're coming for him. I mean, he's a system disruptor. He's the first of our system disruptors. Don't worry, you won't be the last. When they're finished with Trump, there will be more that rise because the people will demand we get one. So eventually you'll get one. Over and over and over again, you'll keep getting them. But the system has a way of crushing system disruptors. All corrupt systems do. All late stage republics, when the governments in every part of the country becomes corrupt, they know they're corrupt and they lock shields to crush people. I mean, we have Secretary of State Republican Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. I always have to read that name, Brad Raffensperger. I mean, this is uh, this is Brad Raffensperger, 2020.
2: So look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have because we won the state.
1: So you remember that call with Trump and Raffensburger in 2020? Brad Raffensperger, he's the one who leaked that call. He took on a private call with President Donald Trump. He took that call. He leaked that call to the media. Why do I bring this up? Because the latest subpoena is Brad Raffensburger. It's every part of the system has locked shields against Trump. But this is not a story about Donald Trump. It's really, really not. Now, it matters. Watching a system disruptor be destroyed matters. It matters a lot. But there there is something you must understand. I've tried to get through to people over and over and over and over about this. What's happening right now? is so much bigger than any one man friend or enemy what's happening right now is so much it's so far beyond donald trump or joe biden or nancy pelosi or Ron DeSantis or this person or that person what's happening right now is gigantic and the reason i'm so passionate about it is if we have a justice system like we have now if this continues or it gets worse and it probably will this will end the United States of America. It will end it. You remember we've talked to you a whole bunch about the pro-life activists who've been arrested by the Department of Justice. And we're talking 60, 70, 80-year-olds, pastors. What did they do? They apparently were in violation of some weird Faces Act. Their, Their crime, the dastardly crime that brought armed FBI SWAT teams to their door was reading Bible verses and singing Christian worship songs at abortion clinics, attempting to save lives. No violence, no nothing, simply out there attempting to save lives. Well, as you already know, because we've talked about it extensively on the show, the Department of Justice is out there kicking in doors, rounding them up. Why? Why? Now we know, we assumed before, but now we know the DOJ, the Department of Justice, remember, that is the top law enforcement arm in the United States of America. Everything, including the FBI, falls underneath the DOJ. Why are they doing this? They're doing this in response to the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. So, the DOJ is admitting that They're sending the FBI to the homes of 80 year old pastors because it's a temper tantrum response to a Supreme Court decision they don't like? I know inflation matters. I know it matters to you. I'm not poo pooing it. That ends the nation. This will end the United States of America. You know what they're not doing? They're not investigating who's buying Hunter Biden art pieces for two hundred, sometimes $500,000. You realize Hunter Biden is now implicated. In writing, we have the laptop. He's implicated in a verified laptop with his father in a worldwide influence peddling scheme. This family is linked, this family is dirty, and now Hunter Biden is making crappy artwork that... Anonymous buyers are purchasing for several hundred thousand dollars, and the FBI is worried about somebody busting open the Bible app on their phone and reading a couple verses from the New Testament to someone about to have an abortion. The country, as it's currently constituted, will not survive this. We will not. This gets fixed, or we will not survive. The fixes. Well, the fixes are more complicated. You should know I have a solution. Other people are listening, other people are acting on this solution, and we will talk about that with Nathan Dom of Oklahoma later on in the show. We got James Lindsay, we got a great light in the mood tribute to Mike Leach. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. And let me tell you something else that has made you uncomfortable that stupid fat wallet you carry in your back pocket why are you doing that remember that Seinfeld episode about the fat wallet you know no matter what size your wallet is you're sitting on that and it messes your back up and you have to adjust where your butt is and but and look i've been there and there's no judgment i've been there but you don't have to live like that anymore you don't have to live like an animal you can go get a grip 6 wallet it slips right in the front of your pocket in your front pocket now that's one thing that's great about GRIP6. It doesn't take up a bunch of room. I'm a, I'm a minimalist. I don't like a lot of things in my pocket. But GRIP6 also locks in these credit cards. You know how the leather wallet wears out over time or you're trying to get the cards out and you can't get the one out you want? If I want my cards in GRIP6, I just squeeze the little lever and they all come popping up. Or they stay locked in no matter what. They're for sale right now, Christmas time. Grip6 also has the best socks you've ever had in your life, and their belts. I got my father-in-law one of the belts. He, he, my mother-in-law is complaining he won't wear another belt. They have these great adjustable belts. I don't even know how they did it. Grip6.com promo code JESSE. There's your one-stop shop for Christmas time, baby. Grip6.com promo code JESSE. We'll be back.
0: giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning.
3: Florida. You know, it is against the law to mislead and to misrepresent, particularly when you're talking about the efficacy of a drug. Uh, we see just the other, uh, just recently, Florida got $3.2 billion through legal action against those responsible for the opioid crisis. And so it's not like this is something that's unprecedented. So today, uh, I'm announcing a, a petition with the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccine.
1: I'm gonna try to contain myself here because I saw two bits of news today that had me coming out of my chair with excitement. I saw that little bit about Florida and they're asking the states to join a coalition to frankly investigate our completely corrupt and despicable federal government. And then I saw my buddy, Nathan Dom, Oklahoma State Senator, with not one, not two, but three bills that looks like he intends to use Oklahoma's state power to protect his citizens. And man, is that the way forward? I'm so freaking excited about it. Nathan, they're your bills, not my bills. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's, go, let's take them in order. Number 21, what is it?
2: Um, <clears throat> thank you, Jesse, for, for having me on. Um, you and I uh, understand the importance of state powers. Thank you for saying that. It's not state rights. Individuals have rights. Governments have powers that the people give to them, and the states do have power uh, that we can use to constrain this out of control federal government. And so the first one, Senate Bill 21, would actually say that the county sheriff is the highest ranking law enforcement officer in that county. They are elected by the people. And so they have a responsibility to protect the people's constitutional rights. And it says that that means that any federal employee that tries to uh, use uh, to arrest a uh, Oklahoma citizen or that tries to do a search or seizure uh, without going through that county sheriff, that they actually could be arrested by that county sheriff um, and uh, that the district attorney would be obligated to uh, try that uh, federal employee for kidnapping or attempted kidnapping. This brings some accountability uh, into this discussion, because right now, these agents, whether they're FBI, ATF, IRS agents, they are all unelected bureaucrats. But that county sheriff, he has to stand before the people and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to represent you. He has to be voted in. And it's time that we put some constraints on these unelected bureaucrats that are running amok in our country.
1: Gosh, this kind of stuff gives me hope. Okay, now, I hate hate to even ask this, but I'm going to ask this about all three bills. It's a great bill obviously you know i'm on board is this the kind of thing that's going to pass or not
2: it's going to have uphill battles so uh, for instance senate bill 23 is our state second amendment preservation act uh, I introduced it years ago. There was actually about a half dozen of us that introduced it in the state Senate. So the chair of the committee said, all right, I'm going to let one person run it. We're going to come up with kind of a consistent version. And so, uh, it was actually another Senator that ended up running the bill, but leadership came in and said, Hey, uh, we need a watered down version. So, uh, we passed a bill that was basically just a statement, but there was no teeth to it. So my Senate bill 23 actually puts teeth in that and says that if any federal entity or officer, uh, violates our Second Amendment Preservation Act and tries to do any gun grabbing measures, then they would be arrested for that. Right now there's no teeth. That's what these, you know, cowardly Republicans do is they'll implement a bill and they'll say, see, we passed a Second Amendment Preservation Act that's really just a political statement that has absolutely no teeth to it. They water it down because they don't want that quote unquote conflict. But you and I realize, Jesse, that there is conflict right now because we're dealing with a Department of Justice that well, first of all, we don't have a justice system in America anymore. We have a legal system, and that legal system is targeting pro-life protesters that are actually peacefully protesting. But at the same time, they're not bringing any prosecution against those that are firebombing these pregnancy centers or anything else. So we see that this this entity, this apparatus, or as you call it, the system is corrupted. It is working against... Uh, Conservatives against Christians, against uh, you know people that actually follow the Constitution. It's perverting the Constitution, and it's coming against us. And so we need the states to step up and and push back. Um, the likelihood of these passing, I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle. But, you know, I got the nation's first ever anti-red flag bill passed. I got our constitutional carry bill passed when the rhino uh, weak need, you know, spineless Republicans were trying to stop that. Uh, We ended abortion in in Oklahoma uh, before the Supreme Court actually came out uh, with the Dobbs decision. Uh, That was my bill as well. So I'm always willing to, to lead the charge. But Jesse, I know you know this too, uh, people like us, we're we're ahead of the curve because we've studied history. <laughs> By looking back, we can see what's ahead of us. Um, and so many of these other Republicans, uh, the only thing that they're looking forward to is their next election. So they're trying to find the, the middle ground, the middle of the road, do as minimal as possible, uh, just so they can get reelected. But it's past time like that. We we need a new right that's willing to stand up and and punch back, like you said.
1: I'd love this so much. All right, now let me ask you this. Okay, so you have a bunch of weenie, low-T GOPers in your state house and state senate. That's not exactly news. We have tons of those here in in Texas as well. But you're the one that's in in this legislature. Is that improving? I know there are still a bunch of useless turds who are there, but is it getting better? Are we trending in the right direction?
2: Yes, so conservatives are gaining ground. Not enough. Um, our current leader in in the Senate started out as a conservative, went down the towards the path of power, um, and has become considerably less uh, conservative. He's basically the the Mitch McConnell of the Oklahoma State Senate. Uh, hasn't really had a challenger because in times past he cut a deal with whoever was challenging him and offered them a position if they would step aside and support him. Uh, but we actually just had a challenger just recently uh, uh, step up, and uh, of the 40 Republicans, the vote came down 21-19, so it was very very close. Uh, that we were able to almost uh, replace the the Rhino that's in there right now um, that has appointed all the the liberals in the Republican caucus to the leadership positions and stuff. So right now they still have uh, pretty much full control, but the the scales are getting very close to tipping. Um, and you know I'm going to continue to to be the that, that thorn in their side uh, and exposing them. Uh, they don't like people like me being vocal about it because then they have to contrast themselves to that. If everybody just sits down and shuts up, and nobody points out their hypocrisies and what they're doing, then the general public doesn't know. So I, I appreciate how you are exposing them uh, as well and talking about how we need real leaders that are willing to stand up and fight and say what needs to be said, not worried about about people's feelings or how they're you know if they're going to get hurt by that. Words don't actually hurt that much. So we got to speak the truth, man. Go get them, Nathan. Gosh, this fires me up. You keep going, boss. I'm behind you. All
1: right, appreciate you. Thanks for what you do, Jesse. Keep it up, man. Hear that? Scales starting to come our way. Who's that very handsome TV host who's been telling you to get out of your blue state, get to a red state, and run for office? One of the most important things you can do on top of school board and everything else, one of the most important things you can do is challenge your useless state representative or state senator. Challenge them. Go run. You can do it. I'm not qualified. No, 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 no. They're not qualified. You, normal person, you're the most qualified. Don't challenge them. Kick them out. Take ground. Offense. All right. We're not done. We're not done. We still have James Lindsay. He's going to teach us a little bit more about communism. Before we do that, let's do this. Let's remember: governments take a while to change. It's going to take us a while to win these battles, to, t- to win enough of these seats, school boards, state house, city council, all these things. It's going to take us a long time to take back enough ground, It's just the way it is. But the good news is we actually have opportunities every day, every single day. You don't have to wait another two years. I can't wait till 2024. You voted today. You're sitting down watching I'm right tonight. You know you voted today? You voted with your money. Corporations, are now completely woven into this despicable government. Not all of them, though. There are great ones all around you. The bad ones should be starved of your money. The good ones, you should patronize with purpose, purposeful. Public SQ is the tool to do this. I love this friggin' app. Doesn't matter what you have, iPhone, Google, whatever you have. It's an ever-growing database of businesses that share your values in your area. You vote every day. Vote with your money, vote the right way, all right? Public SQ, we'll be back. Well, boy, I, I don't even know, I don't even know how to tackle all the despicable, disgusting news when it comes to all this endless LGBTQ mob stuff these days. I was talking to my producer about it just now for the show and he was saying some of this stuff so much of this stuff is so gross we can't bring it to you because the kids watch the show families watch down sit down with their kids it's so despicable i can't bring it to you so you know what i'm going to bring you a man who actually wrote a book on it you know him very well on this show my anti-communist brother his name is james Lindsay, and he has a book out the marxification of education and please if you are a parent or a grandparent Read this book, the Marxification of Education. All right, James. Before we get into what just happened to my son, why don't you tell me
4: what? What are you talking about? Marxification of education? They're not communists, James. <laughs> of course they're not. They're just anti-fascist or anti-racist or anti-whatever America or whatever it is that they want to be today. Um, they are uh, communists, Jesse. They are of course communists, uh, and they've t- they've taken over the education system. And they succeeded, succeeded in taking over the education system probably according according to their own historians by 1992. And so we're 30 years down the track for, from a communist takeover of our education system. So I wrote a book explaining how that happened and what it, what it entails so parents can understand grandparents can understand the good teachers who are still out there can understand and they can actually mount an effective uh, retaliation to, to take our education back for our kids.
1: James, t- t- tell me this. I'm a parent, I, I know things I'm seeing, we'll get to one of the things I'm seeing in a moment, but uh, parents want to know, they wanna know, what am I supposed to be looking for? Because their, so, their kid's social studies teacher is not gonna walk in in the fifth grade with a hammer and sickle shirt on. Well, maybe, they, in this country, they might at this point in time, but for the most part, they're not doing that. So what should they be looking for? What should parents even be asking their children?
4: I mean, with the kids is you're gonna to have to ask them, are they driving into identity issues? Are they asking you about your sexuality? Are they asking about your gender? Are they talking about race? outside of the context of a basic lesson about slavery or whatever? Are they turning lessons that look like they would be a math lesson? Does it, do, you, do you start a political conversation based on what looks like a math problem? If that stuff's happening, there's a major problem at your school. Uh, if they're sending home you know, invitations, hey, you can come join the Gay-Straight Alliance or whatever, these organizations, whatever their intentions were when they began, maybe they were good, maybe they were bad, are tools of an indoctrination program or a, a thought reform or brainwashing program that they're using now. James, my kid, he
1: had something. Last night, I'm, I'm sitting there doing my show, my radio show, and I get a couple texts from my son. He's on a website called Quizlet. Now, he's not in a public school, but I know this is one of the uh, website a lot of people use. Quizlet, you go take practice exams if you're one of the kids. And my kid sends me this and I just couldn't believe my eyes. The ads that are popping up on Quizlet for my son, who's 14 years old, are trans liberation, take the LGBTQ quiz, trans girls is girls. James, why are they targeting kids?
4: Well, because they aren't going to succeed by targeting adults. Children are much more impressionable than adults. They know this. They know that if they want to uh, be able to have the next generation, they have to transform the next generation. By the way, just like you saw liberation on the screen a second ago, uh, transform is another one of their words that you have to watch out for. If you see them saying transform this or humanize that, you know you're dealing with Marxists. Those are Marxist code words. But they're going after kids because they can get to kids. They can brainwash kids. They can make kids think that this is the only way to feel good. They can make them feel bad about their skin color and good about taking on a queer identity. So they have to constantly propagandize, market, uh, promote these kinds of things. Uh, Drag Queen Story Hour is one such example of how they do this. And I cover that extensively in the book as well. Uh,
1: One final question on this, because I want to move on to a couple other things. Why mm-hmm. the sexual stuff? Why is so much of this stuff sexual? I could understand a communist sitting in front of my children and talking about you know, evil, greedy capitalists or something like that, sounding more like Vladimir Lenin. But why is all this stuff so perverse?
4: Because it's powerful. Uh, it's absolutely powerful. It, uh, what they realized in the 1960s and the communists before that had kind of already been experimenting with this is that the enemy of communism is stability. When you have a economic system that makes people stable, you can't gin up the old school communism that we're used to that you were mentioning. When you have people who are psychologically and emotionally stable or stable in their families or stable in their churches or their faiths, stable in their culture and their communities, they won't become radical activists. Sexuality is extremely sensitive, extremely powerful. Identity is extremely powerful. And when you mix those together and get kids to focus entirely on who they are as sexual beings, you destabilize them psychologically. You destabilize them emotionally. You destabilize their families. You destabilize their connection to culture and to religion. And they become very moldable. They become people you can direct to the so-called right answers about how they should be in society, which is to be a communist activist for, for the people doing this brainwashing.
1: Who's this Brazilian guy named Paulo
4: you're talking about? I've never heard of this guy in my life. Yeah, that's a problem, Jesse. Paulo Freire is one of the most influential Marxists who ever lived. Uh, he kind of rose through the 1960s to fame for having some kind of education program that allegedly taught people to read. The way that he did that was rather than teaching them to read you know, simple or basic words we all remember from our childhood, see Dick run, see Jane run, blah, 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 these simple, easy, one syllable words. He said, no, 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 you teach them to read by teaching them words that are politically relevant to their lives, words like slum, misery, death, starvation, stealing dying all of these kinds of things and you you bring that information to them to try to get them motivated and interested in learning to read and that's where you see this idea of transforming a say a math lesson to word problem that's given in many teacher trainings right now is johnny's going to the amusement park with his mom and dad it's 30 miles away or it's 50 miles away they've driven 30 miles how far is there left to go simple second grade math word problem and then they ask who's been to an amusement park? Isn't that interesting, kids? Who's ever been to one? Some kids raise their hand, some kids don't. And then they say, well, why are some kids able to go and others aren't? And then somebody says, not everybody can afford it or uh, my parents won't let me, and they're having conversations about poverty, socialism, race, parental authority. The mom and dad prompt becomes what Paulo Freire called a generative theme in their lives to talk about parents. Do you have a mom and a dad? Maybe you just have a mom, and now we're having a conversation of feminism. Maybe you just have uh, two moms, and now we're having a conversation about sexuality in the in the classroom in place of the math lesson. And Paulo Freire is a Marxist who devised this method of stealing education to turn regular lessons into Marxist political indoctrination lessons.
1: Gosh, so much evil out there! All right, we're we're gonna switch gears because I want to ask you about this. Obviously, Pete Buttigieg, the Rear Admiral, was caught taking a bunch of private planes. He's of course the Transportation Secretary, who's keen to tell everybody who will listen that you need to get rid of your gas car. We have to eliminate oil and gas. Uh, But of course, he's taking taxpayer-funded private jets all over the planet.
4: There's some history lessons in here for us, aren't there James? Oh, yeah, they go all the way back. This is something that elites have set themselves up to do going back to pre-antiquity. We can go back actually to the kind of prehistoric almost Egypt very early on. And we see this in this book called the Corpus Hermeticum, for example. There was a religious text of kind of uh, occult magic, if you will, that nobody's ever heard of. But there are lots of people like this. And it sets up a society in which the elites, the people who have access to the divine mind, as they call it, the nose, uh, the mind of God, can do evil things while excusing themselves from evil because they're doing them for the right reasons. They're doing them with understanding. And other people, of course, can't do that. They don't have access to this. And we see this throughout history, whether it's Plato writing in the Republic and writing in the Timaeus and writing in the Phaedrus about how we're going to, or the Symposium, how about how we're going to set up a system where the elites get to have love of boys to reach higher culture, which translates exactly to what you're experiencing with your own son right now, all the way down the line, whether it's flying in private jets to fight climate change, whether it's, you know, eating steaks so they can be well nourished while you eat bugs, whatever it is, they get to do the thing that they see as evil and you don't because they're doing it for the right reasons and you're not. And this is an ancient, ancient Philosophy, if you will, or, or uh, it's not a philosophy. It's it's sophistry that it's, it gives the elites who buy into this, the ability and who can convince others of it, the ability to excuse the, themselves while uh, oppressing everybody else.
1: James, Lindsay, appreciate you, my brother. Come back soon. Yes, sir. Dude's sharp, man. Dude's sharp. I love when he comes on. We all get smarter, don't we? All right. We're not done yet. You don't talk enough about fill-in-the-blank. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. We get a lot of this about the border, and that it's so true. America's being unmade, and one of the least sexy issues to talk about is the border. We have to have another border talk. We're going to have it in just a moment. Now, something else that isn't sexy, your allergies. (laughs) I've had them. It's not sexy when you have to blow your nose every 15 minutes. Why don't you just grab an Eden Pure Thunderstorm uh, a thunderstorm, or three? You know, but I was on just the over-the-counter <clears throat> allergy medication most of my life. And then a buddy of mine told me, hey, grab this Eden Pure Thunderstorm. And I've always had air purifiers. I went off his recommendation. I pulled it out of the box. I couldn't, be, I couldn't have been less impressed because it was so small. I said, dude, this is tiny. He said, just trust me. I plugged it in my room, left, came back an hour later, you could taste how clean the air was. It cleans your air constantly. Viruses, mold, get your air cleaned. They have three packs of these for sale now for my viewers. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. gets you that three pack for $200 off. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back.
2: So we do have estimates of how many encounters there are at the border on a daily basis. We have processes and procedures in place to identify those individuals, to process them in an orderly fashion, and then to do what is appropriate based on that processing. And we have believed that that system
0: uh, is a system that does an effective job of being able to determine who is coming across the border and what the right way to deal with their case is.
1: Well, sounds like they're doing a great job. I don't know what everyone's so concerned about. Joining me now, my friend, Mark Krikorian, Executive Director of the Center for Immigration Studies. Mark, I'm looking at some paper here, an average of 2,400-plus migrant encounters over a three-day span in El Paso. Man, that doesn't sound like
3: it's being very effective to me, but you're the expert. I'm not. Mark, could you elaborate, please? Depends what you mean by effective. Uh, Effective for them... As you could sort of, if you read between the lines of that statement you just played, what they're saying is, are they successfully processing people? That's the term they're using, not deterring illegal immigration, not protecting the border, processing people, which is to say they take their picture, whatever it is, uh, they may hold on to them for a day or so, and then they let them go. That is success for these folks. That's how they define success. So. You know, he's not lying. Uh, That's what they want. The question is, is that what we should... Is that the policy we should actually have? And the answer is obviously no.
1: The answer is obviously no. And I have another question, and I know it's a stupid question, Mark, but I'm stupid, so I do that. That doesn't sound legal. It it can't possibly be legal for the President of the United States of America and his staff to intentionally open up the border. This can't be legal, right?
3: No, it's not. The uh, immigration law mandates that anyone caught illegally crossing the border has to be kept in detention during the entire course of our deciding what to do with them. Either you return them, or they have an asylum hearing or what have you, and then they're let go into the United States. Just mass releases into the United States is not permitted. What the tool they're using is something called parole, which is different from the criminal justice parole. What it means is, it's an authority, a very narrow authority that the executive has to let in people who don't have any right to come in. That's the kind of thing you use for somebody, say their appendix burst and you got to get them to the hospital and the closest one is five minutes away across the border. Something like that. You can use parole. This administration is not using it on a one by one basis. It's using it in a mass sense to let in hundreds of thousands of people. That's clearly a violation of law and yet congress uh, you know isn't interested in doing anything about it because the democrats in congress support this
1: mark can you explain the reason why there's all of a sudden a surge in el paso the border is just so far away from most americans they don't understand the different re- uh, regions they don't understand the different reasons why there are these migrant surges what's going on
3: uh, I actually don't know specifically why El Paso now, because these things do shift around. It depends on what the uh, which part of the border, which cartel controls which part of the border. Sometimes uh, every part of the Mexican side of the border is controlled by one or another cartel. And sometimes some of the cartels will say, okay, we didn't, we're not collecting a tax for coming through our turf. You guys can just, as long as you, you know, Make your way out, you can do it. And so people will start going there because it's cheaper. Um, there's all kinds of uh, dynamics here, and I actually don't know why El Paso specifically now, but you know, it could be San Diego tomorrow. South Texas has always been the big place over the past couple of years because it's closest to Central America. You have to go the shortest distance. Um, but you know, in a sense, it doesn't matter which particular place they're coming across doesn't matter because this administration is basically letting people go wherever they cross. So this is kind of like, well, you know, the wind blows this direction instead of that direction. It doesn't really matter that much. The basic truth here is that this administration is inviting mass illegal immigration.
1: Yeah. Okay, Mark, ICE. Uh, People don't even really truly understand. ICE's job is to arrest and deport people who are here illegally. There's only about 6,000 ICE agents and a fraction of those, I believe about half, were even charged with doing the arresting. So we're not even taking this seriously anyway. And now ICE has been charged with fewer arrests. Do I have that right, Mark?
3: Oh, yeah, a big drop in deportations. We got some data from ICE through a Freedom of Information Act request. And so what we did is we looked at people who were deported because they had been arrested by local cops for local crimes. Uh, Most people who get deported are deported because they come to the attention of the government because they beat their wives, sold drugs, drive drunk, whatever it is. So they're arrested for a local crime, their fingerprints are scanned, and boom, they go into DHS and a flag pops up, this guy's an illegal alien. The arrests of people who were identified in that way have dropped 70% under Biden's administration. And in some parts of the country, they've dropped 100% where they have basically deported nobody who gets arrested for local crimes.
1: Mark, I'm hearing the Mexican authorities are bringing some of these people. That can't possibly be right, right?
3: Well, they are sort of moving them around uh, in some cases, there's no question about it. The issue, though, is that we are inviting them to come through Mexico. And the Mexicans are basically saying, well, if you guys are doing that, then let's get them the heck out of our country as quickly as possible. In a sense, I sort of sympathize with them because under Trump, it was different under Trump. We demanded the Mexicans work with us, but we were rowing in the same direction. Both of us were trying to limit illegal immigration. What Biden is doing is saying, we're going to have you guys enforce our border so we don't have to do icky things like enforce the law. And frankly, if I were the Mexicans, I might be doing the same thing in this circumstance with Biden as president. Yeah, they can hardly blame
1: him. Well, uh, the, the bad news, it actually goes from bad to worse, is you don't have an actual opposition party. It doesn't appear to an open border. Here's Senator Tom Tillis talking about uh, Amnesty's going to get us a closed border.
4: These are people that came to this country as minors who are now doctors, scientists, teachers, hundreds serving in the military. And I think the American people understand this is very different than this concept of amnesty. This is going to give them a path, and it's not automatic. They're going to have to work and maintain those high standards. And for that, we get a closed border and we shut down the cartels. That seems to me like something worth working on.
3: Of George. Course, yes, Bush I'm
1: called, sure
3: that's going to please. George Bush called he wants his immigration policy back, you know? So uh, <laughs> there's a reason the Republicans are called the stupid party. But, but in the Republican Party's defense, Senator Tillis of North Carolina, for those of you in North Carolina, pay attention, is sort of an exception. Uh, the party has become, especially since Trump, more hawkish on immigration. And it's notable that. Uh, Tillis is one of the guys who really stands out as an exception to the rule, not the rule. So there is, you know, the, there's a little encouragement there. He's not a standard bearer for the Republican view on immigration in general. Oh, praise God for that. Mark, I appreciate you, man. Come back soon. Anytime. Thanks a lot.
1: All got right. a different kind of a light in the mood tonight. I think you'll enjoy it. Before we get to that, let's get to this. You know, we have specials, right? Great specials. Sometimes they're history specials. Sometimes they're about China. Sometimes they're about me. And oftentimes these specials are only for First TV supporters. Gets you access to all kinds of things that everyone else doesn't get access to. Go sign up and become a First TV supporter. Thefirsttv.com slash support. Go sign up today, all right? We'll be back. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. So to lighten the mood today, we're going to talk about death. <laughs> Hang with me a second. No, just hear me. out. We're all going to die one day, right? I'm going to die one day. And I'll tell you what, I want you to have fun at my funeral. I want you to laugh. Why? Because I like to laugh. Mike Leach, great football coach, passed away. 61 years old, passed away, heart condition two-time National Coach of the Year, air raid offense, all that stuff. And all that stuff's fine. All that stuff's good. I'm glad, I'm glad he accomplished all those things. But you know what Mike Leach did, what so many you know coaches don't do? Mike Leach made life fun. He laughed. And I don't know Mike Leach. He's not a friend. I don't want to sit and act like I, I have some personal story about him. But I bet you money, Mike Leach would want you laughing today. And I bet you he'd want you laughing about some of the ridiculous stuff he's said in his life. So with a salute to Mike Leach, here's some of Mike Leach's greatest hits. Got your coffee. It is early. How how do you take your coffee? What's the best way to take your coffee? Well, coffee tastes terrible anyway, so don't put anything in it to obstruct the harsh, bitter taste. We
2: talked about on the broadcast how you hate candy corn. What's your favorite Halloween candy
3: corn? i mean i completely hate candy corn
1: the women lose their mind your fiance is going to lose her mind your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind your mom is going to lose her mind several of your sisters and uh female relatives are going to lose their mind
3: instead of playing hard and getting a first down and getting to play then you know you want <clears throat> to sit behind a. uh, uh Uh, A shade tree, eat a fish sandwich, and uh, drink a lemonade with your fat little girlfriend. It's a good win. There's a lot of people. It's like
1: Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. (laughs) It was the best, man. Rest in peace, Mike Leach, and prayers for his family. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need
1: to start your morning. The 2024 election is upon us and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at CHOQ, CHOQ are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chock for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Test